Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona. I'm sitting across from Eric Seepin from The Village here in Tucson as well. We have cups of coffee. Um, I have had breakfast. Eric has not, which makes me think I should have brought you some. But yeah. here we are at the at the Faith Over Breakfast table discussing uh, the Ukraine conflict. Yeah. So Why didn't you bring me breakfast? You know, well, I didn't know if you were into the little parfait I had. Probably not. Yeah, see, you didn't want it. No. No. Anyway, um, yeah, not not a lighthearted topic not per at se, all. Uh, of course. And we, disclaimer, um, are not going to, you know, you will not walk away from this podcast knowing exactly what the United States should do um, or all of the most up-to-date news as of when you are listening to this on Ukraine. But we hope that you, as uh, as a Christian or somebody considering the Christian perspective, would find this to be helpful. You know what? Nope. I think so- somebody did give us a tip. Oh. They did. Oh, we got a tip. We did. I was wondering <laughs> why that came in, and now it just hit me. Thank you, listener. Oh, okay. I'll Look at thank that. thank you personally later. Which, which means Eric's going to fix our microphones. Yes. Anyway. We're going to get rubber bands and fixes for the... Ah, this is great. What a day. What a day. But... Yay! That makes so much sense now. Enjoy the podcast, knowing that hey, we are enjoying our tip. Yes, and get us... Get a, more tips means more studio, more... Uh, <laughs> better, maybe guests. Maybe we'll even have some interviews. Maybe some, well, maybe we'll move to YouTube. Eric, you've co-opted this intro. Um, I love it. You're making like a money grab, and I'm a little uncomfortable with it. So we're going to have to start the podcast right now. <laughs> I love you, Andy. We, we got PETA. Mm-hmm. PETA. Hey, Eric. Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you, too. We're uh, drinking both. coffee. We have coffee, so that's good. Did you... Uh, did you partake in some breakfast just just a bit ago? No, I did not. I uh, worked out, and then I quick went to a meeting, and that meeting ran a little late, and then here I am. Oh, so you've had a day already. I have. Uh, I I had a yogurt parfait, and here I am. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit behind. That's all right. With no yeah. good excuse, no meeting, no workout. That's all right. Yeah, thanks. So. Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. And Russia and the world and all of that. Dude, I feel like we should have like uh, some music that signifies like, you know, a news announcement. I don't know how that music works, but you know what I'm talking about. I do. do. Here reporting on Russia, Andy Littleton. Yeah. On the ground. Except I feel like I feel like I should say this is a good moment to remind everyone what our podcast is and is not this is this is two pastors sitting down to a breakfast table type conversation you're invited to join us um, so we're thinking about this as pastors of small churches in light of this stuff so of course we are not foreign correspondents we do not have all the most up-to-date information necessarily um, by the time this comes out we'll be even further behind yeah definitely and um, and we aren't strategists we don't know what the world or our country should do and we're not necessarily coming here with the bible answer um prepared as to what we should think um necessarily we we have more thoughts potentially in that direction but i want to i just want to talk to you about how this is how how this is getting discussed in the village how people are feeling um, in your, in your family, in your circles, stuff like that. What do you, what are you thinking we need to do to pastor through this? Maybe that's, that's a good, wow. That's a lot of, a lot of questions. I, uh, one of our avid listeners told me recently, is everything okay? Oh, I don't know. I might need to be turned up slightly. Yeah. Look at that. Let's try that. There we go. That's good. Back to it. 
All one right, of, back to one of our avid listeners said that we do better when we have a direct question that's focused. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> well, so I'm trying to provide the 20 direct questions is what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I, I still yeah. What? So let's start with this. What? What are the? What's the sense that you're that you're hearing? Well, I mean, our community after the morning service, anyway. Uh, I'd say about. 15 people got together and prayed for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a definite, um, people have, you know, individuals connected yeah. either as missionaries or as, you know, there are Russian uh, nationals in their family or, uh, yeah. This so there's, is, there's some connections to things. The, yeah, just, just really quick on that, really quick. Um, the So I read David French's uh, weekly newsletter that he sends out. And one thing that he brought up in there had to do with the fact that the Christian church in America has a way bigger connection to Ukraine than, than a lot of other places. Um, just because, uh, after, you know, previous conflicts, fall of the Soviet union, stuff like that. Um, a lot of, a lot of Christian missionaries went in there. A lot of people have adopted, um, children from Ukraine. And I've seen evidence of that in our close circles, church circles and fellow church circles here. Yes. Um, that there's just a lot of specific connection to Ukraine in the American Christian church. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's an interesting, uh, and he, David French was saying that that's not really being discussed or covered as people are thinking about how you know the right and left feel about the potential conflict he was saying this is a major factor uh, actually yes so sorry back so, no, so I mean, people think, in your community you're seeing that too. yeah yeah i mean i i think the problem with ukraine in just in general is that i mean you and i were not talking about ukraine no i don't know certainly six months ago i didn't say the word ukraine mm-hmm. except maybe to say that you know, my family was Ukrainian. If yeah. somebody asked, yeah, where we came from, yeah, or at least my father's side, yeah, uh, yeah. So no, we haven't been talking about it. I, I think if you are a historian, you understand yeah. that, uh, for instance, in World War Two, uh, the reason um, that Hitler pushed towards Russia was Ukraine was is the breadbasket it is the place of wealth and right. a lot uh, of resources a lot of resources and so it's like settlers of Catan. it stuff. is settlers of Catan. that's yeah. where he was headed like poland was in those those were all distractions yeah he wanted ukraine and he wanted to hold on to ukraine and he wanted to call it to be a colony basically of yeah. germany um so yeah so i think ukraine is is you know always been in a unique space yeah. in history um all the way back to the greeks so this is uh maybe a world history lesson for all of us mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think what i hear a lot let's just talk about what we hear a lot is people don't understand what putin is thinking why would he do this yeah. why is he and so there's a lot of psychoanalysis of putin and what's in putin's head and then there's a lot of talk about the you know about the oligarchs and there's a lot of talk about them you know, all the money in Russia sure. and da 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 in in those particularly places places and the wealth disparity and what is Putin doing and why would Putin do this and so there's a lot of theories about that but people are mostly just and I think in my church wondering why would Putin do this yeah it's it's interesting I so I'm not I actually I do enjoy history but this the history of the the era that we're discussing here is not my department um, but. John Simon at our church sent around a video of a guy that was doing some explanation on the, on the conflict. And he had a couple of, it seemed pretty thought out, seemed pretty well done. And he had a few layers that he, he was saying were pretty key. Number one had to do with things like Russia's, um, Russia's actually seen a downturn in population um, and younger population. And so there's a certain sense, um, that he said can't be ignored that if they have an opportunity for making a big move or something, it feels like it needs to come sooner than later. 
Um, then another thing had to do with the resources, um, especially some new discoveries of, of things like natural gas resources available um, off of the coast of Ukraine that would make it uh, extremely valuable. And then there's the whole um, the pipelines going through, and then you know Crimea. And I did I did sort of get concerned back when you know Russia was hosting the Olympics, and there was that whole Crimea thing. Yes, but then. Um, Ukraine closed off a major aqueduct to Crimea that's made it almost unlivable. Um, so there's tension around that. Um, then the other thing had to do with, so that the, there was the resources, but the other had to do with the Russian, or, or maybe you could say the primary Russian sense about NATO and its um, hostility toward them is how they've framed it. Um, and might really truly feel that way that this is a these this is a group of nations that have it out for them or you know who would strike if they could and they would gain very strategic tactical um, advantages by owning part of Ukraine uh, or being in control of part of Ukraine uh, if they ever if there were ever a future conflict with NATO that they seem seem pretty um convinced could be possible so he, right. he laid out some of these things and said so then when you see it that way you can it, it's like this is about safety and protecting us in the future this is about resources that truly belong to us that have been taken from us right, right, right. and and so actually watching that video the concerning thing to me was i thought uh-oh even just watching this video i can understand why something like this would happen. Putin has said to our leaders that we don't have moral high ground over him because we do and have right. done the same things, which is true to some degree. And, uh, and so I could especially see if I were a person in Russia hearing this version of the tale, I'm, you know, could I be convinced? Probably. I mean, that this is sure defensive. Yeah. Right. So I I think that those are all good reasons. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there are actually any of the reasons uh, that Putin is invading as primary. And here's why I think that is I Eric Seepin here is in the mind here, of Vladimir. I in the mind of Vladimir. I am not. Yeah. Well, no, I think so. What we do it's because we're Westerners. Yeah. We analyze Putin and what the Russians are doing uh, from a western perspective sure. and those are all good western yeah. reason yeah. reasons to do it it's a good point but what i think is happening is that um there's a couple issues going on one is that as americans we believe that uh capitalism mm -hmm. will solve all the problems right? right and what we're seeing in this world is that capitalism does not solve all the problems um and it's not fixing everything what Europe itself thinks is that this amazing unity right. called the European Union uh, and this thing that they've done is going to solve all the problems, yeah. right? And it hasn't solved all the problems because what's happening in the rest of the world is not what's happening in our mm -hmm. world because they have a different value system. And I don't mm -hmm. think we all usually think about values, sure. right? We think of when we're analyzing things. But Putin values different things than we value, sure. which then makes his motivation different. Right. Certainly, there are some tactical issues and all that kind of stuff. But we think, well, we're going to put sanctions on Putin and we're going to do all this right. stuff. But you got to remember that he has $100 billion. Right. His disc, he's... He's disconnected from his people and that his right. people struggle and, and sanctions. He'll, and, he'll probably let them suffer. Yes. Or, yeah. No, pretty much no doubt. Right. And yes, certainly has he asked uh, China for things? Yes. But Putin um, sees Russia, Ukraine as Russia. Mm -hmm. And he yeah. has, you know, he wrote a 7,000 uh, word essay on this. And uh, he sees himself mm -hmm. as a liberator, liberating right. Russians yeah. Uh, in Ukraine. Right. Um, and it's done through language, right? They all speak Russian. And so sure. we deliberate them. Um, but he also sees himself as all four of the great, you know, warriors mm -hmm. of the past and the czars. And um, going back all the way to the Viking who first was converted called yeah. Vladimir. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we get all of this. Uh, so he's approaching things 
So actually, I don't think Putin cares if Ukraine is flattened or not. Right. And he does not actually care if he's successful. And he said so much as he cares how he's remembered in history. Right. And he wants yeah. to be remembered as someone who unifies Russia. The problem with it is Stalin, by the way, not Russian. Right. Russia, until 1991, has never been Russia. Right. Russia trying to figure out how to be a country, 91 and up, it's been really, really hard yeah. um, and difficult. And so uh, Russia is now then, we can't define, because internally, like, so if you think about the United States, we can do things bureaucratically, right? We can uh, say, well, well, the problem with the U.S. is that we don't have the right tax code, mm-hmm. or the problem is that we're not, we don't have the right moral laws, or we don't have this. So internally, we can work things out in Russia you can't say any of those things. So the best way to say it, the problem is is that we aren't unified. We aren't a country. Right. We're not. So it's always outward because mm-hmm. all the money, there's no bureaucracy because the oligarchy owns everything. Like They yeah. own it all. Yeah. And they control it all. So there's no way to say, oh, well, we need to tax these people more or we need right. to spread the wealth out or we need to think, you know, have more economic programs. Now, that doesn't exist. Right. We, we, so we need to invade. We need to have Mother Russia be a country right. and all back together. And so the, I think he has a whole different value system yeah, for sure. And that means that what's important to him is not important to us. Right. Which I think if we just pushed aside Ukraine and Russia and thought about it, we don't all, we, that's what's the problem even in our own country when we wrestle with one another is that we don't realize mm-hmm. that we are operating from different, from values. different values. Yep. And that is a big part of what's happening here. And I think if we shift and say, okay, well, this is what he values. And yes, it, his arguments may be poor. Sure. And it may not be the right thing. But it's a different value system and he's operating on a different right and wrong. Yeah. And this is, and we, we as a nation should have definitely learned this in dealing with, you know, Taliban and such is, is, you know, that similar idea. Like we are not dealing with people who operate under the same motives and that's just being part of the world. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's another thing here just to get, you know, I'm not a great philosopher, but there, there, I don't. I don't remember the name of the philosopher that Putin hands. He has books. Like he's, uh-huh. He follows philosophers. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, but, he's not a, he's a smart guy. But he's not operating. So the, the particular philosophy he's operating from is that God has left uh, the world undone and a mess. Mm. And it is actually Mother Russia's job right. to create turmoil to then bring a unification together, mm. right? And I think it's not... It's so it's not let's get into the thought processes of the people that were invading or the brokenness in the world. It's we are going to solve this and we have the right thing. And here it is. Here's we're going to solve the problem. And I think so. There's just those clashes of Mm -hmm. philosophical ideas. No doubt. That is not how we think about it. And religious. um, And that's, you know, within the. Sure. There's been a little talk about the Orthodox Church and, you know, clearly not. Not the whole Orthodox Church is on board, but some right. is, and yeah, how that factors in, and and it's not. I guess if you were to if you were to not read the Bible as an entire story arc, um, which a lot of people don't even here, you could see how you could justify and or or even see this as a as a valid method. I read a little bit of the Book of Judges today and was like, I could see a sermon out of this. Sure, you know, vindicating in someone's mind the the way that this is going down. Well, yeah. and I think you know because of the you know, what is a thousand years or seven hundred years earlier, you know, the Ukrainian and Russian church mm-hmm. coming together and mm-hmm. being connected right. and and the, the baptism of Vlad, like that, all that. But now they're playing a dance with the state, and they have been for a very long time for survival. Yeah, and that is part of what's going on too in that is that your faith is dancing with survival mm, yeah and the state has the power so there's there's those issues uh so the real question then andy is uh podunk tucson american yep going to the village going i'm sorry i called you podunk guys no just average normal human <laughs> beings going to church 
Uh, okay, exceptional. Poe po dunk, is that like when a poor guy is really good at basketball? Yes. Okay. Poe can dunk. Because I'm, in, I'm into it. <laughs> anyway. It might be Poe, but I can Just dunk. what is... And, oh, we go off track. I, what's our response? Like, what? what is it... What actually is Jesus inviting us into and caring for what's happening in the world? Because this event could feasibly pull the world into a third world war. That is possible. And so where and what are we called to do? Right. Yeah. Where are we called to go? What are we called to do? Mm. Yeah. Still working on that. Um, Yeah. I think that, I think that, at this time so so i'm not hearing i am sure there are a lot of i'm sure there are a lot of conversations in our church i have not been sitting in the middle of them personally i've shared some tidbits um in from the front uh at church you know in prayer and little sure allusions to it um, but I haven't, I haven't really sat with people having that conversation yet. I've talked to my family more. I know that within my family, there are a couple, um, thoughts. My daughter, uh, said something. And actually I remember, um, when I was a kid hearing about probably it was probably the Iraq war and thinking to myself in Tucson, we've got this big air force base. I wonder if somebody would want to come after that. You know, right? And she expressed something to that effect of like, "Don't we have all these airplanes and um, <laughs> here just down the road?" That's you know, missiles. Yeah, and like, what does that mean if if there's war in the world? And so I think that that's a big um, thing on my kids' mind, or at least it's it's there. It shows up. And then the other thing I think in my house would be. Um, my wife and I have had the discussion of like, so why isn't America doing anything? Um, or, you know, and then talking about, but sanctions, that's not much, but then, you know, kind of going back and forth on, yeah, but you don't want to escalate. We got, we, there's some point where we have to trust that there's some military strategists and I'm sure they're not perfect, but they know a lot more than I do about what you might consider. And at some point we have to like leave it ultimately in God's hands here, but even more, we, we have to put some trust and this gets into the whole like trust of institutions thing that we are very disinclined toward, but we do have to put some trust that some of the people involved here are trained and know what to do and have a better idea generally than we do. Right. And that's a, uh, that's tough. Cause I think, uh, in our, in our day, that's a very scary thing to do to say, I trust. But then again, I mean, what would I know? You know, what would, how would I, and what could I even do? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. If you were trying to do some kind of political action or. Yeah. What, what, I'm a blip, you know? Sure. Am I going to call Vladimir Putin and say, Hey, guess what? I have a new eight hour position with a, uh, a mission agency and I'm a pastor of a small church and I'm going to tell you what, you better cut it out, buddy. Or else, right? I'm gonna throw my flannel at you. Right? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. You have a dangerous flannel. Well, it's I have. Right. I have a wide array. Of a wide. Of, yeah. So it's your weapon. Um. Yeah. And you know, we are supplying military aid in the form mm-hmm. of you know weapons and just defensive weapons. Our policy is we will give you defensive weapons, not offensive weapons. Right. So. Yeah, and I I think we so there's it's a it's a a game that we play, but the conversation hasn't been a huge one for you in in Mission Church. Well, I'm just saying I haven't been sitting yeah, in, in the, in those in the direct conversation. Yeah, so that far. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a question. I mean, I've had a lot of around the table conversations at our house and with people over, and um, there's been a number of conversations that I've had in at church where people are talking about it. I think there's an agony over war and over mm-hmm. the violence and over the death that it's causing um, and what it might mean for the world. Um, and just, I, I think, you know, there are things happening, violence happening all over the world. Um, 
this is just one that draws all of us in, you know? Well, yeah, there's a couple factors. Like this is a very, this is a part of the world that is affluent. And so there's a couple, there's a couple things about that. Number one, we're getting a lot of real time video information, TikTok. just it's, it's, there's that. Whereas in certain parts of the world, you'd get less of that. Yeah. No, I agree. But it's still, but then the other factor I would say I think in America, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but this is just, this is a guess. But when we see it happening to Ukrainians, they look a lot like us. They act a lot like us. And as, as Americans, I think that feels more engaging, scary than when we see it happening to people who do not look like us or act like us. I think there's anything to that. I think there's a little bit. I think you're right. I mean, we can identify, but honestly, I think what's happened more than anything is what we can see is this is the fifth largest economy in the world. And though that's actually not that big because the others dominate, uh, what we're learning is that if the fifth largest economy wants to cause some problems in the world, they can do that. And that's the one weapon that Putin has. And so I think it draws people in from South America and it draws people in from North America and then Africa. Yep. and I mean, all over. We're all impacted by the fifth largest economy, and we in and they can well, shake things up for us. And they're and they have the most nuclear weapons. Right, and they can undermine. Yeah. Uh, yes, they're a mid-world power, and they can undermine. Uh, they can actually undermine the world economy, and that's what I think Putin. You want we want where he's headed. It's not so much to take Ukraine is to point out that he can undermine everything and that he's, he and Russia should be taken seriously. Yeah. And I think that, um, and given what they want. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of it. And so we're all caught up in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, from the easiest way to look at it is outside of people that we know are being impacted. Our gas is going up. Our food costs are going up, right. which then imp- impacts people in our communities who don't have the same financial means. All of a sudden, basic things are costing more money. Right. We're already all coming out of COVID, so there's an inflation yep. issue. Yeah, and I'm sure Putin's aware of some of those factors and how that works. And oh, I think he's very aware. Yeah. Yep. And then, and not only that, but politically, um, we have been in major upheaval. We the president we have was barely, um, you know, elected. We're, we're polarized and our previous president, you know, is tends toward praise of Putin, which I think that also is a factor in how we feel. Cause we sense like, this isn't just over there. It feels very like, is that happening here? Sure. You know, is mm-hmm. that how much reach, how much influence, does that have here and even in our next election? Yeah, so, right. So right. it's, no, it's totally. Yeah. It feels very much connected to our current political reality. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. So I mean, to go back to the question of, you know, where, what do we do? Your first answer to that was, well, as an individual, my impact, if I'm looking to impact mm-hmm. it, probably not a huge impact. Just sure. as a, in, in a political action yeah. or where I put my money or anything like right. that. But as a follower of Jesus right, and as a community of followers of Jesus, what do we do? What are we called into in this? I think this challenges uh, how we understand people mm. because like it or not, Putin is an image bearer of God. Yeah. And, you know, we think we can oh, well, but God's judgment is on Putin or God's judgment is on Hitler. They're still image bearers. Mm -hmm. They're still people that God died for. Uh, Jesus paid a price for, right? He died. Right. Um, They're people. And I think that is the first thing we're called to is that this is all these people on either side are image bearers, obviously broken image bearers, Playing out the curse of sin. Right. And as followers of Jesus, we bring the kingdom, but the kingdom, its violent action is not with people. Right. Its violent action is against the prince and principalities. So 
what 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 is the enemy about in this process mm-hmm. and then how do we love care for and engage image bearers just mm, this is not quite the answer but but it it i think alludes toward it one of the some of the interesting stories that have come out of this conflict have been some of the more powerful stories have been of ukrainians you know feeding russians um or the hotline that was created to help Russians find their loved ones, which has a dual purpose. Sure. But, but still, um, it's there. Some of, some of the most powerful stories have been seen that, um, certain Ukrainians have refused to treat Russians as if they're not human. Um, and even to just say like they are susceptible to being, um, overtaken by a lie. And sure. we're going to treat him as, as human. And that speaks something pretty powerful about what you're saying. So I think that's, there's a calling to us all to pray for them this way. Yeah. Um, consider them this way. Think about our enemies, um, how easily we could be an enemy to someone else. We have been um, recently. And so I think that's, that's a huge piece and yeah and looking for those opportunities to bring the kingdom not just through counter dominance yeah. yeah well i think it goes back to last week's podcast mm. and that lament is a uh, a thing that we do not just for our own space but we're lamenting the brokenness of the world and we're not saying god why are you doing this and why you know why are you messing up everything why are you making my gas prices go up why don't you it's uh, you know you're a god of mercy and a god of justice and a god of you know comfort and all comfort and the god of Mm -hmm. you know uh, of encouragement in trouble so based on your character would you please act would you please care for the people who are hurting would you and would you do can you hear us this is not good make things right make things right and i I, how do you Really quick, sorry. Um, our tendency is to be angry yeah. at the gas price or the food price. Oh, yeah. Um, We're or, entitled. Or or the loss of human life, what we see on the news. Yes. Um, but, and I, I'm a believer in the be angry but do not sin. I, anger is, is valid. Mm-hmm. But how often do you think that we're angry when we should lament and what in the world could we do about that yeah anger is a hard one because um anger is a thing like just anger and i guess putting the, anger without sin is always i mean it's supposed to be an anger where injustice is happening right and we are powerless to bring justice and that kind of anger should then bring us to lament i think our so so that leads us not to try to get what we want by force or to bring consequences. Now we're told that the state is the given uh, that task. Yes. And that's, so there's some complexity to that, but for me individually, I can't bring Putin to justice. Right. But what I can do is say, this is not right. And people are suffering and God, you need to do something about this. Yeah. You need to intervene. And the beauty of it is I can say you need to, because I know this is his character and I know yeah. he has a plan and there's a, a distinct relationship between me and him and his people together yeah. that we can say, please do something. Do it. We know you love the people. We know you have mercy. And, you Bring know, justice. and we know this is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I think we, we try to act those things out in our local space and we try to act those things out if God calls us there. And I, I can see God calling many Americans and others around the around the world to go to Ukraine to, but I don't think if you're a follower of Jesus, God is calling you to pick up a gun and go. He's calling you to care for, go in and care for the Russians, go in and care for the Ukrainians, be bring humanitarian aid in a sense, take care of the poor, hmm. make sure that the weak, the children have shelter. Yes, if that means defend them because they're being. You know, they're in a camp and people are coming to hurt them. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, is there a space in your thinking for for that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, uh, but not, but not necessarily. Like, I'm gonna go get him. I'm, I'm gonna take out as many as I can. Yeah, it'd be go to go to care, and if that care requires defense, then yes, do so. And and certainly, I think, I actually think God calls us all to different spaces and understanding right. how we're to care for people and so in that way when it comes to war and i'm i'm okay with someone saying no actually god called me to strap on my m16 and go down there and defend the ukrainians yeah i think once you choose that road you choose a road that is very dangerous Mm -hmm. and you have to tread lightly right um and how you do those things but yeah so i i think a lot of it has to do with lament a lot of it has to do with caring for the those who been impacted by this and you know for me locally that means actually just people who don't have means are going to be impacted more than those who do so we have to be extra conscious of our brothers and sisters who because we live in a capitalist society there's wealth gaps yeah and and the the majority of anger over prices and stuff i've heard is from fairly wealthy people who can absorb that um it would be helpful to think about people who can't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, and channel that anger into help somebody right. instead of just be peeved. Well, and I I think here here you want to know what you should do in response to Ukraine. If you're, I mean, a you should pray for the Ukraine. B if God invites you to financially support stuff, that's great. But you should look in your community and you should think who is going to be the most impacted by this, right. and then you should dedicate yourself to making sure they have a little extra groceries and a little extra money to pay for gas hmm. and 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 commit yourself that, to that until the end of the war. At cost to ourselves. Yeah, at a cost to you. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's you, that's how you respond at this hmm. point. Hmm. Um, and try to join the larger church in its lament. Yeah. Because, prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the one thing that's weird about all this is, by the way, the pandemic is over. Because of Ukraine. Yeah. I it mean, is. it's not over. Right. But it's over because of Ukraine. Yeah. And that's weird to me. There, there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff in all that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I got I got a little bit something about yeah, inconsistency I've just noticed gets me. And so I had a probably a lot of people did, but the Kyrie Irving situation. Did you hear about that? I don't know anything about Kyrie. Oh, Irving. Okay. So he's, he's anti-vax and that's interesting. He's, he's always been an interesting dude and flat earth and right. Lizard people and all kinds of cool stuff. But, um, but he, he's not allowed to play home games, uh, for the nets, the Brooklyn nets because he's not vaccinated. So they've lifted all like mask requirements and, and stuff. Right. So, so you got a stadium full of people, a lot of them unvaxxed, but he, he can be there unmasked, but he wasn't allowed to play basketball. And so this was, this is all like, you know, getting in the news and, and, right, right. and, uh, that's, that kind of stuff is, so Kevin Durant went on TV and just kind of was like, this is getting stupid. He can be in the room. He can give me a hug but he can't this, come on you know at some point this is this is just getting strange but there there are a lot of we're in a weird tension and i think that that stuff has people discombobulated yeah i like, agree with you it yeah that doesn't that, that we're in the weird transitionary period but but you're absolutely right i mean it actually in a way like the like george floyd and the pandemic that was an interesting moment to watch right um where and then, and then now, yeah, because of Ukraine, it's like that news. It, it shows us how much of it just has to do with what's top tier in the news. Right. You know, that's the big question. Well, and I just think the hard part of our world is, I mean, Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. like it or not, the, the place of the African-American in the United States, still not that much improved. Right. But... And some people are trying to talk about it, but it's not it's not news, right? right. All of a sudden they're they're okay now. That's done. Okay, so now then it's back to the pandemic and it's back to the whatever variant. Oh, now we have Ukraine. Well, Ukraine, if you know, let's say it gets settled in the next six months and it's not a World War Three. Okay, so then then the pandemic may be back. Uh, yeah. The pandemic may be back, or it's you know a new 
moment and it's hard and we've talked about this in some ways i think you have to decide like this one thing is the thing that i'm going to care about and i'm going to focus on and the others i'll be aware of but i, I can't i can't manage yeah. these this many crises in the world right. of my brain and then i got just my own crises in my home right the pipes broke or the yeah. you know the the dishwasher doesn't clean correctly <laughs> there's, yeah there's just the the regular many things that we have oh, yeah. to face or you and i are in an argument yeah. and now i can't think of anything but you and it's just the way our brains work and it's it's a lot of stress has there ever been a day eric where you could only think of me no yeah good yes yeah, <laughs> that would be a little weird just thought i'd ask though just just <laughs> thought i'd ask there have been times where i've spent an hour or two thinking about you wow yeah well, that's pretty good yeah yeah i'll take it i feel special I mean, I don't know if it was the whole two hours that you occupied all my thinking. Well, let's hope not. But you, you, re- you just kept visiting my brain. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. What about what about people who are who are scared? Hmm? Let's let like about the conflict. Let's get out of the like what sure. sh- getting in the head and what should we do? What about, yeah. People are just scared. Yeah. I mean, my son two weeks ago asked. Um, am I going to get drafted? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have to sign up for selective service in a year. Like, is this going to be a long war? Like, right. So there's a, yeah, people are afraid. Did your uh, Vietnam, your dad, did he, was he drafted? Well, he managed, he he just enlisted to avoid that. My dad was drafted. So he could make a choice as to what he wanted to do. So I don't remember if he actually got his number and then you have a certain amount of time to go enlist or just take the draft so i don't remember how that all worked but right yes uh so yeah i mean we have a professional army and um so yeah i i think worrying like that i think my daughter you know a little concerned about the whole our missiles coming our way kind of thing is this a you know are we gonna completely just destroy ourselves um you see these pictures from ukraine and go that could happen here huh yeah 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 so that's there's some of that the uncertainty right Mm -hmm. uncertainty is uh is the issue we we think the world is a certain way Mm -hmm. and we have a certain place in it and then things keep shifting those things and so then there's an uncertainty there um and you know i mean what do you do with uncertainty andy what is what are you what a what, what does a pastor have to offer people with lots of uncertainty? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I'm trying to say, of course, there we have a God who is stable in control. But at the same time, I don't want that to be this card that just gets thrown at people to where sure. it's like, oh, your fears are invalid because of God, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's more a thing to be yeah, just openly shared, prayed about, um, to receive encouragement from others. I think sometimes we're afraid to admit our uncertainty about any given situation. I, I had a situation at church where I just admitted that actually in a conversation I was nervous to talk about something because it could get weird and somebody me that was very helpful to know and i thought i was like oh really you know but just sometimes knowing you're not alone in uncertainty is really huge i think that's a piece for the for the christian community that we sometimes want to all be okay there's something about just not being alone in what we're actually experiencing yes so those are a few thoughts i mean i don't want to i don't want to minimize that we do have a God that's in control, but I also don't want us to just use that as a way to kind of like a medication to take, to try to numb the pain or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that's actually helpful. I think that's where you plant your feet as you actually engage with your fears. Yeah, that's good. Um, this Sunday, this last Sunday, Sue and I preached together and, she was actually addressing some uncertainty things, but what was interesting, her part of the message had to do with a, an overview 
of how Jesus met everybody in their uncertainty after they experienced his death mm-hmm. in his resurrection. And so how he met Mary, how he met yeah. the disciples and on the road to Emmaus and in the room and how he dealt with Thomas and Peter um, and how he went after their uncertainty and, and gave them a stability and, a, and an understanding of their actual purpose and, yeah. and without minimizing the loss that they'd experienced and the trauma that they'd gone through um, and the uncertainty. Right. that they were thrust into because you I mean you can actually take a look at okay so here are these disciples who followed Jesus and you know they said you're you're everything Jesus you're you have the words of life you're God and then God gets killed yeah. and it seems that he's not coming back and he and you know even Mary lost, yeah. who seems to have a kind of good idea how things are working when she sees the empty tomb is like uh somebody stole the body mm-hmm. like she's not thinking oh yeah he said he's gonna be resurrected yeah this, this is good I'll just need to wait for him to show up no it's and so she's living so all that uncertainty I think you can see that in Ukraine it's thrust us into not the same kind but it's a like oh what's going on like and so I think maybe this is a moment when Jesus is is finding us maybe a more distinct time for those of the people in Ukraine and Russia, us to say, Hey, to bring some certainty and a reorientation of our mission. Cause our mission is not to have, this is a very American thing, but not to have capitalism dominate the entire world and democracy and everything to be new and good. Like that's not our goal. That's not what God's called us. God's called us to preach Jesus, to bring Jesus, to practice Jesus, both to our local and then all over the world. To bring the true kingdom, which doesn't try to get land, doesn't yeah. try to fight each other, doesn't try, that actually unifies around, you know, a risen savior mm. who changes who we are and what we are and gives us a new meaning and a promise of a resurrected body. And so I think, wow, maybe this is a moment. Yeah. A and right. And just to, just to piggyback on that, I, I would not want to say oh, it's, everything's okay because um, God's actually just doing this incredible thing. It's, it's not that, but at the same time, uh, these actually, when you look back, when you look back on, on the history of the world and on the history of faith, moments like these are galvanizing. These are times when people look to God and when they begin to doubt the prevailing philosophy. So the pe- people who've, who've been operating under philosophies that are maybe more individualistic or, um, or where there is no God in their, in their thinking, um, or where it's, uh, where everything is moving toward, you know, just, just a, a general good, or there's no point in, you know, meddling in other people's affairs, just be about yourself. Those people are beginning to doubt those philosophies. Um, as as Christians, it's a really good time to be anchored and there and present mm-hmm. and involved because God is building a kingdom, and this these are key moments. So if your big thing right now is being peeved about gas prices, well, you might be missing a an amazing opportunity. <laughs> well, can I piggyback off one of the things? Because you said, you know, how do you deal with fear? And, uh, yeah. well, having someone else say, yeah. I am also there and, and then really speaking that out, we got to do that together. And I think the computer screen and the phone has an algorithm to develop fear. That is its main thing. It feeds fear because fear gives the, whoever is the, the algorithms owners money, right? That's yeah, how that works. And, um, the church dispels fear through Jesus in its gathering together. Right, that when you leave your computer screen and your phone screen, and you sit together and you worship someone other than yourself, mm. you worship God, and you and you rest in His stability, and you speak truth to one another, and yeah. listen, and and you speak your fears out loud, is galvanizing, and it it thins the veil, and you can see Jesus saying, "Andy, right, Eric." Follow me. You can hear it in a way that you can't hear it when you're looking at the news, when you're looking at your computer screen, when you're flicking through your phone. The algorithm is there to develop fear. Hmm. And I think, hey, <laughs> this is your opportunity to walk away from some of that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, 
and by walking away from that, it would be invest, especially as a, as a Christian in the communal life of the church and that process of how the lament happens and how the anger is dealt with or, or directed or how the comforting or the conversation or listening to the teenagers in your midst who are old enough to wonder, will I get drafted or would a missile hit my town? Like being present with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the call of the church is to do that together, not to be alone on screens or any, or out in nature, you know, alone processing it all just that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good podcast, I think. I, I hope so. I hope yeah. so too. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. As as we said, this was uh this was the meandering breakfast conversation of two pastors. Uh that's that's just what we talked about. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sitting in. If you have follow up questions to that, you can always send them to faithoverbreakfast at gmail dot com, of course, or any other questions you may have. And uh we may or may not answer them well, but we'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And uh and we'll still send you a book. We'll send you a book, question. yeah. So Send us a question, a book for you. Got to give us your uh, address, by the way, and your zip code with that address so we can send it to you. That's right. Reviews um, and shares of the podcast are huge. I, I can't say enough. If you enjoy this, uh, if this is a helpful discussion to you, give it a review and share it. I'll tell you. Um, somehow. That helps. If you give us a review, we'll send you a book. Oh, look at that. You're going to have to keep track of that. Eric. I will keep track of it. Look. I uh, not that I'm not on my phone, but I am not tracking this podcast as well as you do. Well, I'm the one that has to post it, so I see the you stats. See it. You see it. Yeah. But anyway, regardless of that, I think we, we we know you're listening, and it's not that hard to just say, Andy is great. We love how he does his podcast. Forget Eric. Whatever. Mm. You know, two stars yeah. for Eric, five stars for the Andy. The demographics say it's quite the opposite. Eric. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, please... We know you're you're out there. Give us a review. It helps us a lot. It gets this podcast out there. So if you think other people should listen to it, then you should review it. That's right. That's right. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Siepen and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you. <laughs>